Well, hello, hello. Welcome to Orchid Bloom's podcast. Welcome back, bloomers. I am Orchid Brown, the host of Orchid Bloom's podcast. You can find me on TikTok and Instagram at Orchid I Brown. I hope you all are doing well. It is now Halloween and some of you are going out to Halloween parties or maybe even going to some haunted houses or maybe just having a nice night in watching Halloween or horror films to celebrate this occasion. Some people love Halloween, some people don't, and some people just don't believe in it. Either way, I decided that I wanted to create a Halloween special for 2022 and this topic for today will be on predators. I was thinking for months on what this Halloween special should be about. When thinking of Halloween, I think of things that terrifies people, except my knowledge or my experience with Halloween has never necessarily been terrifying. Um, I've usually just enjoyed Halloween. I like that people dress up. I like the candies. I like the movies. Um, all the awesome things that people do, especially if you go on Instagram and you see people creating, creating, uh, uh, what's it called? They're creating desserts that look like fingers and eyeballs and brains. And it's so creative and it just looks so fun. Yes, I, I think they look great, but no, I am not interested in eating those delicious parts of people's bodies um, that they like to design but it's interesting to look at our imaginations are fascinated by death and dark things so to see that level of creativity come out of things that are supposed to terrify people it's it's fun to watch Uh, definitely don't necessarily view halloween as something scary anymore it just seems like something that is fun Uh, You have people dressing up as a sexy kitten, a nurse, a sexy fireman. And so, you know, they're not as creative as they should be uh, to reflect the scariness of Halloween. You have a lot of celebrities coming out dressing like other celebrities or looking like um, vixens from, from certain Halloween movies like The Addams Family. Or, you know, X-Men. I think I saw Kim Kardashian posted up uh, some photos of her as Mystique. And so, you know, something sexy like that is is something that they they tend to do to to be more fun or to have more fun during Halloween. It's, It's more of a happy holiday rather than an actual terrifying ones to remind you of the scary things of this world. The rise in shows and movies about serial killers is something I feel will never die. Uh, I find even before Halloween, like throughout the year, there's there's certain shows that come out about serial killers or um, stories of the death of so many women or certain types of men that fit in a particular category. It happens all year round. It never ends. Every month, there's a series that comes out which talks about a specific serial killer or something that was happening um, in a a community that no one noticed. 
it the things about these types of horror or scary shows or movies pertaining to what happens to real people one of the reasons why i feel shows and movies such as these are so popular it's because it reminds us of our lack of immortality the many ways we can die seems to be so fascinating to so many people and now i find that a lot of these shows and movies are romanticizing these these sick individuals in so many ways and so almost trying to make it seem normal uh, for these people to to be so attractive and you know you see women or people going online I think it was that series you which uh, is very popular on Netflix but for some apparent reason a lot of men love it and a lot of women love it as well they they want that character they they sometimes are attracted to men that look like a serial killer it's really messed up but the romanticizing of darkness and evil it's it's just crazy just crazy i have no idea what the narrative and and what society is trying to accomplish by by doing these things but i i wish we find out soon because it's just weird i've never looked at a serial killer in any movie or any show even if i like the actor and find their character attractive never and i mean some people find villains very sexy they're dark and mysterious and all of that kind of stuff but i still would not put myself in a situation to attract somebody like that or to be attracted to somebody like that i don't care how much i like you as an actor i just don't but these people nowadays they're just they just romanticize some of the weirdest things and i'm like oh my goodness there has been many famous movies, especially scary movies, horror movies, with well-recognized villains or protagonists. Some movies are funny, but scary, as well as others that are just horrifying. <laughs> so I just want to give you a, a little list of movies that I, how I've categorized certain horror films, um, especially when it comes to the Halloween season. The beginning of, of October, or at least halfway through October, I start watching a lot of Halloween films. And so some of the fun Halloween films that I usually enjoy during the Halloween season are Hocus Pocus. Um, the It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Um, Nightmare Before Christmas, I can watch that over and over and over again. Uh, Beetlejuice, Casper, Practical Magic, Sleepy Hollow, Edward Scissorhands, The Addams Family, Ghostbusters, and Rocky Horror Pictures Show. Those are the movies that I tend to find fun, scary kind of thing. Um, I just recently watched Hocus Pocus 2, and it was a beautiful but sad ending, but it, I mean, when I was sitting there thinking about it, especially writing this this podcast episode, I kept thinking to myself, you know, the Sanderson sisters would be considered a predator because they lure children in, like Hansel and Gretel, and they give them a potion which gives them the ability to suck the life force out of a child. And once that life force is now sucked out of these children, they die. So to me, that's the definition of a predator. 
the goal, the end goal is to kill these children, not to keep them alive in old age after sucking the life out of them. So it was kind of nice. I don't know why I'm saying kind of. It is nice to actually see a, a Halloween film where a female was uh, a villain, but in a comedic way, even though what these sisters are actually doing is terrifying. The concept of what they, that they're doing is it's terrifying. But for some reason, who doesn't love Bette Midler? Who doesn't love all the characters that are, that are played by the Sanderson sisters? I genuinely love them. I love the other sister. Um, one that has the crooked face and she's trying to look like a, a real witch. Just love her. I've loved every movie she's been in. Sixth act. One, two, and three. Uh, wait, is the third one coming out? I'm not really sure. Either way. It was, it's definitely a film that I enjoy watching every single Halloween, as well as Charlie Brown. And uh, now I just want to go into talking about some scary Halloween films that, you know, would, would really terrify people. And keep in mind, I don't actually watch these films for Halloween. I, with the time frame that I have, I seem to only have time to watch the fun-loving Halloween films that I mentioned prior. But these are films that are known all over the world and everyone associates these films um, with horror, with terror. And it's become a classic. Um, so some of the movies are Halloween, which I think the last Halloween's coming out or if it's already out. Uh, Poltergeist, um, Child's Play, and trust me, I watched Child's Play when I was younger as well as Poltergeist. It scared the shit out of me. In my mind, I kept thinking with Poltergeist, why aren't y'all leaving the house? Like, get out of the house. So, something is wrong. Why are y'all just hanging out? Like, it's just okay. Just so weird. Um, A Nightmare on Elm Street is another one. Candyman scared the shit out of me. Scream, I watched, you know, when I was a teenager, and that was more fun. I found it a little bit comedic. Um, I don't know if it's because of the bad acting or the bad writing. Either way. Scream became a classic as well. Final Destination 1 to 3. I'm not listing the ones after 3 because they sucked. I think I watched the last one early this month because it was on Netflix. And I kept thinking to myself, as much as you brought the character or the man who played Candyman into the last episode or the last movie done in this franchise, it did not make up for the fact that the movie still sucked. But from one to three, I felt it. I, I was like, okay, you're still scary. And it sucks because I really like the actor Devon Sawa. And I, I mean, he came out, he made his money, and he disappeared again. And I said, these actors, man, they're crazy. <laughs> and then there's It. And It, I absolutely love the new ones that came out a few years ago. Just love it. They have some of the best actors in Hollywood in there and even the guy who plays it he's so talented I remember seeing him in Hemlock Grove on Netflix and he was just so good as the vampire in that that series and then there's the werewolf but he as an actor is just so good at his roles every film that i've ever seen him in he has drawn my attention attention and he has just made me go damn you're talented so when he played it my goodness it terrified me and the funny thing about it is i didn't watch it on halloween i usually watch it after halloween 
closer towards Christmas. He just played the role so well, just so well. And when it comes to um, newer films that are considered to be horrifying, I would add Us and Get Out, which both of them were pretty terrifying. Us really messed me up. It really messed me up because that would be a scary concept to have, to look back and to not even look back, but to to figure out or learn that there's somebody else out there in the world that looks exactly like you, that's experiencing what you're experiencing in, in another dimension or in another situation. And it's worse for them. And then they decide to wreak revenge against you and come after you in, in real time. I mean, that's some scary shit. So Us really messed me up. That was a film where I was holding on to, <laughs> I was just holding on to my pillowcase, hiding my, my face. And Get Out was just another scary one where I was like, oh my God, I don't know how I could deal with someone trying to take over my body. Ugh. So, and even looking back, you have, you know, movies like The Ring. And I did watch The Ring and I watched it in movie theaters. And I refuse to watch horror films in movie theaters now because it's just, it's just intensified. Um, then there's The Exorcist and there's Saw. By the way, I've never watched Saw. Never watched Saw. And people might think I'm crazy, but I just, I don't know. I saw the commercial of someone sawing off their foot and I was like, nope, not happening. And then there's, you know, The Hills Have Eyes. That was the movie that made me take a step back from these horror films because that really messed with my psyche. I could literally feel my hand pounding in my 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 heart pounding in my hands as I held my chest watching that film. I would not I don't I don't know why anyone would watch that on repeat every single year. I just couldn't do it, but scary as hell and I took a break from horror films for about 5 years after watching that. It was that crazy. And then there's Dracula, which of course Dracula's become more romantic and Dracula is now hot and being pursued by someone that wants to suck your blood till you're dead is so sexy. I think Evans is the new actor for the Dracula movie, The Untold Story. And I think the Dracula Untold 2 might be coming out. I'm not really sure. But I mean, I didn't really find it scary. I just found it entertaining. And I guess that's kind of the the route that a lot of Halloween films or horror films are taking. It's, it's just for the entertainment value at this point they could try to shock us but a a horror film shouldn't necessarily be about the shock factor it should be about deep rooted fear and terror and a lot of these horror films are missing that and that's something that's one of the reasons why i don't really watch you know horror films as much anymore because it just seems like it's all about shocking me and i'm i'm not scared but i am shocked and disgusted all at the same time So let's talk about predators, since that's what this podcast episode is about. It's about predators. What is the definition of a predator? A person or a group that ruthlessly exploits others. I mean, it does sound like a manipulator, and I just dropped the emotional manipulation episode prior to this one. So some of the stuff that I mentioned in here might, you know, seem like I'm talking about emotional manipulation or uh, an emotional manipulator uh, because if you think about it a manipulator is a predator they prey on their victims and they exploit their fears and uses it against them so 
Yeah. <laughs> um, Webster's Dictionary defines it as an organism that primarily obtains food by the killing or consumption of other organisms, which I mean, that sounds like life, really. Um, we can specifically focus on this definition, a person or a group or business that exploits, victimize, and preys on others. That is really the type of predator that should be scaring people nowadays. And again, there's so many of them out there in the world that everyone knows about. And we watch them in movies and TV shows, and it's so fascinating. But they, they are overbearing, they're greedy, and they're selfish people. And so to go to work, to be living in your home with this person, being in a relationship, having kids with these people, it, it's scary. It really is a scary thing. A manipulator, as I mentioned before, can be a predator. The only problem is these manipulators aren't trying to kill you, so they can't necessarily be considered a predator. But I still put them in the, the definition of a predator because of how they go about sucking and killing your energy just so that they can get what they want. If if it's greed or selfishness, that is what these predators are, are doing. It's an exchange. They will abuse you, they will take from you, they will drain you, all so they can get something that they want. So I don't know if, I don't think that death is the ultimate goal of a predator. I think it's what leads up to it, the death of a person, that really makes these predators happy. Horror or scary movies are a reflection of stories that are happening in our society. These movies most times humanize the predator you start to see this in the way people talk about predators and the excuses they put forward for them maybe it's fear or they see themselves in these broken individuals either way most of these films that we love so much have these predators in them and people sometimes connect with them some of these predators in movies, especially the ones that are feared the most, are Freddy Krueger, who enjoys the hunting of, of people. Jason, who, you know, if you ever watched a movie, he seems like he's a, a disabled person with a mental illness, and he, he just loves to, to kill. He's in a very dark place. Uh, so this is Jason. And then there's Hannibal Lecter, who's a cannibal that loves to eat people. And then there's Jeffrey Dahmer, which is super popular right now because of the Dahmer film that came out on Netflix, um, telling the story from a victim's perspective. And he is, is also, I mean, there were, he was interviewed in the past before his death and people talked about him all the time. So he was like a famous celebrity serial killer at some point so i also wanted to add the sanderson sisters to this list of predators because like i said they would hunt children um and to to suck their youth out of them and, until they died so the definition of prey is a person who is the aim of an attack especially a victim of of ridicule or exploitation by some hostile person or influence Predators hunt and eat their prey. Doesn't necessarily mean that they'll kill them, because as you see from certain you know Halloween films or horror films, sometimes the victim survives. But what they went through, that traumatizing experience, will live on in them forever. 
and I think with the with the eulogy of of or the involvement of the the Halloween films with Jason and his victim, uh, she's still living this, you know, experience being hunted by Jason in her old age. And it kind of reflects what some of these, not even kind of, it reflects what some of the people in this world experience on a daily basis, even after they've been attacked, even after they've been traumatized. That traumatizing or traumatization lives on with them. It's something that they have to carry with them until the day that they die. And I like that they they kind of show that in this film, but also trying to entertain people at the same time. So most humans are considered to be hunters. They hunt for food or hunt for fun. <laughs> I guess I, I guess I would say predators hunt for fun because I mean the what they're experiencing and what they're hunting after um, is not something that I mean if it was gone completely from their lives, they'll still live, but they they need it. In their mind, they need it. So it's not food, because food is, is what keeps you alive. But taking away that fun, they'll, they'll be fine for a few years, a few months, and then they'll get right back to it. I strongly believe that we should only hunt for, for food that we need and be thankful for the blessings that we have received from the meat of our hunt. I do not approve of hunting for fun because we we need a challenge or feel accomplishment from from hunting these defenseless animals. And this is something that you know is happening in the world where there there are poachers that go out there and go after specific animals just so they can sell their parts uh, in the world and they make a shit ton of money from it. Humans are considered to be super predators. Predators usually kill for substance. Um, but in in the case that we're going to be talking about, these are our pre- predators that it's not about substance. It's it's about fulfilling a, a need, and it's a need that's in their minds. It's what they think that they need to be completely happy. In horror movies, the villains are predators. They enjoy hunting human prey. Most horror films showcase villains as ugly, distorted figures, uh, for example, Freddy Krueger, Jason, for example. But in our current society, the, the looks of, of certain predators are normal. They're people that you see every single day. You go to work with them. You, you meet them on dating sites. You go on dates with them. They're charismatic. They're wonderful. They know how to talk. They just seem to blend in with society. They function in society very well and most likely they have authority because they know how to how to use that their power for good and evil they're able to function in our world successfully more successful than actual victims because victims once they're traumatized they're they're stunned and it takes years to get back on their feet it takes years for them to understand what's happened what happened to them and years for them to to find their footing in this world because that's what happens when someone destroys your life and takes your innocence. The types of predators are cannibals. So they take pleasure from eating human flesh. They would be considered carnivores. Um, Not that I would consider them a predator, but then when they're hunting humans just so they can kill them and 
eat their their flesh as a, a meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, then yeah, you're a predator because you're hunting your own types. You're hunting your own kind. It it you're getting that pleasure from the hunt, and then you are satisfying yourself by eating your prey. So you have Hannibal Lecter, that's an example of this, and as well as Dahmer. Parasitism is another form of predator, and I included this as a, a type because these these predators um, they're they're not like fungus or leeches that serve a purpose, uh, which is to latch onto you and drink your blood. <laughs> That's their only purpose. They're not trying to kill you. It's just this is their function, but this specific predator. They don't kill their prey, and they're they're technically not considered a predator, but they really are because a relationship between two species in which one benefits at the expense of another, sometimes without killing the host organism, it's it can be defined as people that come into your life, and they're parasites. They're not trying to kill you. They're just trying to suck whatever you have that they want for themselves. It's not even a need, but they enjoy it. That that is a that is that to me is a predator. They specifically picked you because you have something that they want, something that they want to take from you. And if they feel if they get close enough to you or is in your vicinity that they can learn more about it and they can keep sucking your energy dry as as you know they're leeches basically and these people go off into the world and they do this to many people throughout their lifetime and sometimes even cause damage in that person's life trying to accomplish this this want the to want to have your success they want to to have that light that you have inside of you they want to to have that that motivation and that discipline that you that they find so attractive in you they want to somehow take it from you to put it in your in themselves it's almost like people that are attracted to people with blessings just so they can figure out a way to take that blessing from them these to me are are still predators that i would define them as predators these people are leeches. They feed off of you without killing you. They get what they, they want and and they move on. And they're like viruses. They just keep spreading. And sometimes they'll even teach their victims how to do that to other people and then connect to it. And then all of a sudden you have an army of these people out there in the world doing the exact same thing because it's what happened to them. So they learn from their predator how to become predators themselves, and nobody wants to be prey. Nobody wants to feel victimized. Nobody wants to feel like they have no power. So their only option is to become a predator themselves and go out there in the world and, and distribute this toxic darkness into other people's lives. That, to me, I still consider them a predator. Number three on the list, herbivory. I don't necessarily consider these people to be predators, um, basically, if you look at the definition of that term, it's animals that eat plants. So if you look at it from, from a standpoint of humanity in our society, we would call these people vegans. <laughs> they just, they just, you know, 
They like their plants. They like to eat their their vegetables. They like to eat clean. Nothing is wrong with that. So I wouldn't necessarily consider them a, a predator. But what with on the list of predators because they're consuming something that is living, um, they they would fall under that that list. But I just don't see them as violent individuals um, that that attacks plants and trees and eats them in a malicious way like I wouldn't consider I wouldn't consider that to to be a a predator we have plenty of animals like cows and deers that that eat grass and trees and certain things so I and they're they're calm non-violent animals (laughs) so um yeah anywho let's move on to uh number four on the list which is mutualism Um, basically it's a symbolic relationship where all species involved benefits from their interactions. There are a lot of individuals like this in our society and I am such a person. I believe that you can learn from, from other cultures and by connecting with them, spending time with them, you can, you can learn a lot. And so maybe it's idealistic to believe in this way, but if you really think about it, we would not have survived as human beings or as a a society if we had not learned from many different cultures on how to do things on how to to work things yes we we went from learning how to make fire to then learning how to how to to do other things to creating technologies and sharing this information between continents uh so that we can better society all over so it has been happening for a long time now or we would not has as human beings have developed in the way that we have today and the the last um the last predator that i have on my list and these people are predators is uh, sexual predators the definition of a sexual predator on webmd.com is a person seen as obtaining or trying to obtain sexual contact with another person in a predatory or abusive manner webster's dictionary defines it as a person that commits a sexual violent offense especially one who is likely to commit more sexual offense and yes sexual predators have a long list of victims it's not just one and a lot of people need to understand that it's not just a one-time thing with sexual predators they spend they dedicate their entire life to sexually molesting or hurting someone else could be a man or it could be a woman urban dictionary defines it as anyone who obtains sexual contact via less than honest means or a person that enjoys hunting down their prey and that's technically what sexual predators are is that they hunt for their prey they look for the ones that are defenseless they look for the ones that are unprotected and they go after these these individuals ranging from children um, to adults sexual predators are not just looking for sex sexual intimacy is seen as a way to assert dominance sexual predators may prey on on children and i still do i don't i don't want to get too much off this topic but i still do want to put out there in the world that some of these scammers that goes after older people and targeted them and and used them in such a way are considered to be predators as well but i don't believe that they've come up with a term for these types of predators in the world maybe because it's not important maybe because they think that these old people 
people or whatever and they don't really care that much but at the end of the day these people that target older people so they can take what little they have after dedicating their lives to their jobs and their families and they come after them uh they are considered to be predators in my opinion we see a rise in the conviction of sexual predators who are famous who are in the public eye, such as Bill Cosby, R. Kelly, Weinstein, Spacey, Hoffman, and now the trial on Danny Masterson from that 70s show. Those that aren't in the public eye are harder to cash, especially those that are behind the scenes. Everyone knows that Hollywood have some, some serious predator issues. I find that if they're not famous enough to, to broadcast, a lot of these authorities aren't really looking for them. They don't really care about that. Whichever gives them notoriety or fame or draws attention to the hard work that they're doing, they're the ones that, go, that they go after. The, the, the more, the better. So all of these, these celebrities now, they, they look great on the resumes of some of these, these uh, people in authority that are supposed to hunt down these bad people. But you don't necessarily hear too much about the, the little ones, the people in communities that are hurting others um, because for some reason they just they just don't get caught. They're, they're not a high priority for, for most of most of these these police officers or FBI or whichever. In the R. Kelly case for years, they use his child abuse or what he has experienced as a child as a reason for what he has done. It's almost like trying to give him a pass for what he has done in his adult age. I don't give that excuse to any adult. You are a grown man and a grown woman, and you should know that what you're doing is wrong, and you know it's wrong, but you're doing it anyways, and so I won't give you the excuse that, oh, this person was abused when they were a child by family members and whatnot. There's plenty of people in the world that have been abused sexually by their family members, and they don't grow up and turn into this. They just don't. So I refuse to accept that excuse. It, he would not have been as successful if he did not have a team of predators to assist him. And what people don't understand is that predators attract other predators. Yes, they also attract their victims, their future victims, but they also attract other predators and other predators who might not have the cojones <laughs> to do it all on their own will then try to be a part of a, a game or a play with a more sophisticated, more famous, um, someone with money that is a predator. Same to all the famous celebrities that are sexual predators. They have had help. Once it came out that, you know, once it comes out that these people that they were surrounded by, especially people, you know, who, who help to hunt down these, these women or little boys, and bring them to this predator who has influence, who has authority, who has fame, who has fortune. Once they do that, once they get caught for it, they now start claiming to be victims, forced to do what they did because they needed to survive. And so I don't view those people as victims because you brought in enough victims to make you a predator. The support of fellow associates who are of authority helps the continuation of abuse on real victims. I believe that those victims were placed in these circumstances by people they trusted. When you look at the, the R. Kelly case, 
um, the sometimes it was family that brought these little girls to R. Kelly. Sometimes it was the people that around him that would go to these schools and and advertise that they're in a position of authority and they can help these young girls or boys become famous so if you just get into the car i'll introduce you to this celebrity and then that leads to to the abuse the promise that you'll get something the lie that you'll get something and yes that makes them emotional manipulators to dangle a fruit in front of a child and then bring them into uh, this sort of abusive cycle it's messed up and they should be held accountable for participating in something like this you're not a victim if this is what you're doing willingly human traffickers are considered to be sexual predators there are many of them there are a group of people all over the world not just five or six, I mean, <laughs> a lot of people are involved in human trafficking all over the world. And they're all connected. They have a stream. They have a way of communicating with each other. The victims they abuse for years are now programmed to hunt and manipulate other future victims into their society. These, these predators are protected because they are everywhere. And they have the backing and the support of each other. And some of these people are in positions of authority that will help them to stay out of mess so they can continue to do all of these things in the dark. They make a lot of money from this form of slavery. Human trafficking is a form of slavery. You could be talking to a sexual predator and never know. You can meet them online and go out to dinner and you will never know until one day they'll get you alone and all of a sudden you disappear and no one can find you. Because they blend so well into society, they look great, they carry themselves well. They don't draw too much attention to themselves, but when they do draw attention to themselves, it's like one or two people. And then those people are the ones that are targeted and those are the ones that disappear. They are charming and able to build that trust within you just after one meeting. That's scary. That to me is a horror film played out in today's society. Another category of sexual predators are pedophiles. Pedophiles are someone who's sexually attracted to children. You have how many of them online trying to target little girls online, you know, putting up pictures of themselves where they copied from other pages to try to seem like they're somebody else but they don't look that way they figure out ways to lure these children into circumstances where they are going to be alone and it's easier for these predators to then take them kidnap them you know even rape them and molest these children most of them believe these children loves them and so in their mind, it's consensual. They are delusional. It's, it's a mental illness, not anxiety, not stress, you know, not something traumatizing. These people are ill. Some are fully aware of what they are doing and they know it's bad, which is why they do it at night and they do it in the dark. So they hide their, you know, their victims when they do get uh, a hold of them and eventually kill them if they have the balls to do it. But most, not even most, some won't kill their victims. They want to continue to do this. They want to collect more trophies and they, they hide them in places where, where people would not be able to see the sins that they are doing. They have become professional serial sexual offenders and killers. 
They have evaded authorities, so they may continue to inflict pain, destroy lives, and take away innocence. They enjoy it. They really do. And so pedophiles, as much as, you know, you see them in movies as, you know, victims and they're cowering and whenever the authorities do find them, they're crying and they're like, oh my God, why are you doing this to me? They're not victims. They're, they're sick, yes, but they're not victims. They know exactly what they were doing up until they got caught. We have pedophiles who have served their time and somehow found Jesus to, to be, you know, brought back into the world, into society, live in neighborhoods with family, watching their children. They are on a list, their names, of course, but I mean, does any does anyone in these communities actually look at this list? You might see the name, but you don't really see a picture. And if you do see a picture, it might be an old picture. It might not be a recent one. So you might not know after how many years what this person might look like. Their features could change and develop. Not very many communities do this. Somehow these pedophiles are more protected than children. Society has really failed women and children. People who sell drugs illegally serve more time than rapists and molesters and pedophiles. This is crazy to me. They are forgiven more easily than drug offenders. Then That's when you realize that there's something really wrong with the system. Where, where, all, where children and women are still viewed as not as important as anything else. Like, when did selling drugs become more important than life? And I know that this is a conversation that's being been happening in the States about pro-life this and pro-life that, but these are the same people that are all about forgiving pedophiles and sexual offenders and, and, you know, as what you see in the news, especially in America, you know, giving a, a pass to, to a, a rapist who gets a child pregnant and then force that child to, to have their rapist child. To me, that's sick. That makes you a part of a problem. This is why this continues. This is why this is acceptable because at the end of the day, all these people need to do is say, I come to Jesus. And what do these Christians do? Give them a pass. The victims who speak up are considered uh, a menace to society and not to be believed. There are family members who know in the back of their minds that they are predators or that their family members are predators and choose not to believe when their children explain to them what this family members had done. They were helping the, their, these abusers by not seeing or believing their children. Most parents fail their children. They are complicit in the abuse of their children and they don't realize that. So this is a story that I'm going to share and I won't, I'll try not to make it uh, too long. It's about two stories. So I, I recalled, you know, talking to somebody who, who is, was in a relationship with a woman and they had broken up and so they still kept in touch and so the guy, you know, reached out to her one day because it's been some time. It's been very busy. He reached out to her one day and she expressed that she was in a relationship. Anywho, he ended up talking to her daughter 
who was underage and the daughter was basically telling him because she trusted him that this this boyfriend of of the mother's would come into her room and and do things to her that you know scare her and makes her uncomfortable but there's nothing she can do about it and so he said well did you tell your mother and she's like yeah i told my mother um but she just said oh it's not true so then he approached his ex-girlfriend and said listen if your daughter is saying that this man is doing these things to her coming into her room at night and raping her why is he still in your house why are you okay with what is happening she basically admitted to him that look it's really hard to find a man these days so i just feel that if i want to keep this man and he really needs to do stuff to my underage daughter to stay with me and love me then yeah i'll let it happen and he was shocked he couldn't believe it to this day he's so angry because he thought your job is to protect your daughter and basically what you've done is you've picked up a predator off the street knowing fully well that he didn't want you he wanted access to your daughter and he needed your support in doing it and you're going along with it just so you can say look i have a man and he's living with me and he's taking care of us but it's okay because he gets to sleep with my underage 12 year old daughter um, but as long as it looks good to everyone else that I have a man and I'm not lonely and I was sick to my stomach just completely sick to my stomach listening to this this story because it's it's a normal thing it's been happening for years and you would be surprised at the people that you you might know that are doing this that are enabling their children to be abused by a man just so she can feel wanted and not lonely and to turn a blind eye and i'm like okay but this man doesn't even want to touch you he doesn't want to sleep with you he wants your daughter who's underage and 12 years old and can't really defend herself and all you care about is that's fine he comes home every day he eats food at the dinner table he pays rent and at night he doesn't sleep with me he goes into my daughter's room but at least he's here he's here okay all i have to say about this is the woman has a mental illness she's sick she's sick in the head so another story i would like to share is that i knew a girl and this girl was basically sexually molested at the age of 13 by her mother's um, husband at the time. And it was happening for years where this husband will now make this 13-year-old girl believe that what he's doing is because he loves her and they love each other and it's okay. And so eventually the mother ended up leaving this man and you know she's she has like three daughters and she's you know going to church and she's praying it up and she's acting like she's this amazing person and then one day you know her daughter who is now divorced and have a child with her her ex-husband um is telling her what happened to her when she was a teenager and the mom just was like oh my god i didn't know 
But I happened to be present when she was telling the story to the mother. And I remember just looking at the mother's reaction throughout all of it and realizing that the, the, oh my God, I can't believe that this happened to you. I'm so sorry. I didn't know he was doing this. I can connect her words to her eyes and realize that she knew exactly what was happening to her daughter. She knew. She knew this whole time. Which is why when her daughter would say to me, oh, you know, my mom would always take me out and buy me makeup and she'd buy me like slutty clothes to wear and she said that she was doing it just to, to get my self-esteem up, I, I realized that she was just doing that to try to make her daughter feel better knowing that she knows that her husband is doing this to her. So she was like, oh, don't be sad. Here's some makeup. Here's some clothes. And I was completely disgusted because this woman acted like she was the pillar of the community going to church and worshiping God. And at the end of the day, she knew that her husband was doing this to her daughter and kept it to herself and tried to cover it up by taking her shopping for makeup and clothes trying to get her to show off her body more and go out there and maybe find a man. And so this is the same mother that encouraged her daughter to, to date this, to go into a, a marriage with this man who did not love her. He, he just didn't want to keep looking anymore and she was like the best target. So, you know, she was like, no one else is going to love you. You might as well marry this person. You know what I mean? And in my mind, I kept thinking, you brought your daughter down this destructive path. And to this day in her 30s, she has self-loathing. But at the same time, she misses her, her mother's ex-husband because in her mind he was the only one that truly loved her i couldn't believe it she even started trying to bring her daughter to church to help her find god um, to try to forget what happened to her and she's still smiling the mother and the mother came to me and she was like listen like what happened to my daughter i didn't know i couldn't believe it I can't believe I loved him. Like, why would he do this? But again, her words was not connecting to her emotions or her eyes. I can see that she was lying the whole time. And I said, you really didn't notice, huh? And I, the way I said it, I made sure she realized that my words was saying something else and my eyes were saying something different. And she got it because she was doing the exact same thing. So after that day, she stayed the hell away from me because she knew that I did not believe her. Now she's trying to encourage the same daughter who's still struggling with what happened to her, still believing that her victim really, not her victim, her the predator really loved her and that she really needs him in her life. To this day, she's still trying to call him so that they can be friends and so she can be loved. And he basically cut her off completely once he divorced the mother, changed his number, moved to another side of the town. He didn't want to see her anymore because it reminded him of what he was, how what he did to her. And so she was still trying to reach out to him. She was still trying to be friends with him. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Sorry for swearing. I keep swearing in these podcast episodes. But when she was telling me that she was still trying to reach out to him to reconnect, I was like, what the fuck? What the fuck am I hearing right now? And it's, it's, it seems to be the same things with all the victims that I have met, especially uh, an ex-friend of mine who was raped at a party because she was associated with, with a girl who was a stripper and a hoe. 
And so she believed that this girl was her best friend. And so one night, you know, the, the best friend got her so drunk and then brought her to a room um, where the guy that she was messing around with at the time, I guess she told him, oh, to bring one of his buddies. And, you know, me and my friend are going to show you a good time. So he came and he brought his friend and she was literally a vegetable. And so she couldn't she couldn't she kept saying no but the person wasn't listening and she kept trying to hold her her friend's hand asking for help because it's only her hands could move uh, because she got her so drunk she couldn't she couldn't function she she even when she was saying no it was just like a mutter it didn't come out fully and not loud enough and she's squeezing her friend's hand and her friends is like oh she's squeezing my hand she's liking it she's liking it and this is what's happening and so the only reason why it didn't continue is because her sister barged into the door and was like, what the hell is going on? So she had to now take her sister, bring her to the hospital. And now the so-called best friend was like, oh my God, we're just having fun. Like, why are you ruining our fun? Um, you know, and she's trying to make it seem like, oh, don't worry. She consented to this, but she didn't. She was invited to this party. They got her shit face drunk to the point where she couldn't even walk and brought her to this room so that her the guy that she's trying to impress could then bring a friend and to try to show oh look i have all these friends that are down for this kind of thing this woman ended up moving because the cops got involved she ended up moving to somewhere in toronto and hiding because now there is a, a case in the in the federal government or the supreme court on this this issue the guy even moved away and disappeared as well he's somewhere in canada and uh, they're all running and most likely have changed their names. And the entire community blamed her for what they what happened to this guy. Like, you're a hoe, you know, so why are you acting like you were taken advantage of? Look at the people that you hang out with. She's a hoe too and everybody knows that she sleeps around. And so she was no longer a victim because of who she associated with. And I felt bad for her, but at the same time, because she was so traumatized by this, she then continued to abuse herself in that way and would just let, she would get drunk and just let guys do that to her. And she continued the cycle for years. And these are just because she started believing what people were saying about her. She started believing it to her core that she was this disgusting person and that whatever happened to her is what she deserved. And so she just kept attracting that situation. So these are things that happen in society. Society and the system are in place to keep victims, victims, and predators in a place to continue their reign of terror. Most of us live in a horror movie, and that's what these victims are experiencing every single day. For, for years to come, to the day that they die, they're in their own horror film. No one wants to see it. They want to see you go you know go off and and be happy they want to see that you know what's happening in these horror films are not happening in real life yes this happened to you but now it's time to be happy yes this person did all those horrible things to you but now you just need to shake it off let's put some makeup on you let's put some clothes on you let's make you feel sexy and beautiful so that we can forget that ever happened to you and now you can go back to just being super happy and whatever happened to you it's just a film it's just all in your head it's fictional there's no way that this happened to you it's not to be believed it can't be happening in your families with your neighbors co-workers at your workplace 
we see no evil, hear no evil, and speak no evil, even if it's the truth, even if the victim comes out and says this happened to them, somehow, no way. In horror films, sure. Scary movies, sure. But in real life, no way. Something is wrong with you. And then, of course, continuing the victimization of these victims. I may publish another episode on this topic in the future. Um, maybe, you know, seeing the signs uh, of predators that come into your life and how to identify them. And if you are willing to see the truth and protect your loved ones um, with that future episode, then I will definitely do one. But for now, I will end this topic today. You don't have to look far for a horror story because you may be surprised at how many family members or friends have experienced what you're watching in these horror films and you're entertained and excited about because it's fictional. In real life, it's not fictional. This is someone's life. So I just want you to understand that what you're watching on TV and all these stories, yes, it might be, oh my God, wow, I can't believe that actually happened. But these are real people's lives. They are still traumatized by this. They're still affected by some of these things that are displayed in these horror films, but done in a, in a different climate, in a different space. And these these predators don't look like a Freddy Krueger or a Jason or a Hannibal Lecter. They, they look like regular normal people. They function in the society as regular normal people. And they go off and live their lives and have people praising them and honoring them and thinking they're the best people in the world, God-fearing and all. And truly believing that these, these people are, are, would never do anything wrong. You would be surprised at how many people are that bad and feel no remorse. No remorse whatsoever for the abuse they've inflicted on a woman or a child. And, and they just walk around like, hey, life is good. You know, I'm going to go help the community, give out food, um, take care of a family down the street, give words of wisdom, you know, just act like the pillar of goodness in the community and society. And they're doing some real messed up shit behind closed doors. And they're victims. How dare they speak out against this person? They are wonderful people. You are just evil. You're the devil trying to tear them down. They've done so much for this family and everyone. They pay us. They even give us money so we can eat every day. And it's all a part of manipulation. Thank you for supporting Orchid Bloom's podcast. Visit our website at taonetwork.ca and our social media pages on Facebook at The Ambitious Obsession Network, Instagram at The Ambitious Net, and Twitter at The Ambitious Ops. We do have some merch on the website, so feel free to purchase a nice shirt that says Ambitious or Ambition on it, whichever. And um, I hope you guys have a splendid day. Oh, and do not forget, follow me on Instagram or TikTok. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and High Heart Radio. Also, don't forget to share your favorite podcast episode with your family and friends. And if you haven't caught up, definitely get on there and listen to some previous podcast episode. And again, I hope you have a splendid Halloween.